0: Uh... Mm-hmm.
3: And greetings, happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. And we would love it if you would join us. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And the last name is spelled D-A-C-E. The podcast each day is powered by our benevolent overlords at CRTV who underwrite the cost of this endeavor to make it free for you, the people. And we just concluded production on today's TV show for CRTV. Let's give the audience a preview of what is forthcoming. Aaron, I'll start with you. Uh, Today, what I learned is that I need
4: to contact Mike Woody or plan something completely that's bat crap crazy and off the wall random because these roundtables are... They're great discussions to have, but they are sobering, sobering to the point where it's like, um, yeah, we need to lighten up. So that's if that doesn't sell a show to you, you know, you're going to be depressed and probably going to need some therapy yet again after today's roundtable discussing the left in 2018. If that doesn't sell this show to you, I don't know what will. So there you go.
3: Remind me, Todd, to talk to the young man about his marketing techniques. Uh, Todd, what stood out to you about our show today? You're going to hate yourself.
0: (laughs) Words will not suffice. Every time I see that meme online, it's uh, Elmo with the nuclear cloud behind him. Yes. I I, I adore it. And today's Steve Day show, Steve's Elmo, and behind him are these visuals of the state (laughs) of the culture, and it's, it's gold, Jerry. It's gold. I think what we're learning, too... Obama, President
4: Obama, he was a Marxist for sure. He was a soft Marxist, though. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing now is hard Marxism. Uh, Obama was very much in the Rawlsian... uh, Rawlsian philosophy is basically what I would call an Americanized soft, soft version of Marxism, where it's just... All you want is just a redistribution of opportunity for the mo- maximum human flourishing across all of society. Mm-hmm. This version of Marxism that we're seeing on a day-to-day basis is, um, we just want to rule over you.
3: This it's is, Soviet. It's Soviet, yeah. 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 I mean, if you're, an, if you're an animal farm guy, Obama was was snowball. Yes. And what you're seeing now is Napoleon. This is what his idea of jackbooted Marxism looks like. Yes. Yeah. That's a great... You have redeemed yourself, young man. That was a tremendous historical You
4: never know what I'm going to pull
3: out of You never know what I'm going to say next. (laughs) Well, if you want to watch our show today on CRTV and you're not yet a subscriber, CRTV.com is how you can sign up. And if you use my name as a promo code this time and not just a swear word, you will indeed get a discounted subscription to CRTV. How discounted? How about a quarter a day? It's actually 24 cents a day. A quarter a day to watch us, the great one, Mark Levin, the entire team here. You get to watch Phil Robertson today sit around and and in real time try to figure out what the government does for him. And zany hijinks ensue. You don't want to miss it. CRTV.com. Use my name as a promo code. Get a discounted annual subscription. CRTV.com. Promo code DACE and you won't miss an episode. Steve Dace here and I've got a question for you how did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning? Well, let me tell you, uh, I was recently doing a speaking engagement out West and the first hotel we stayed in had one of those floppy beds. And man, as I get older, my hip flexors like, if you sleep too long in this thing, we're not gonna walk tomorrow. (laughs) And so I found myself like every 15, 20 minutes, my body clock was literally waking me up to turn over from my side onto my belly, onto my back to avoid that weak floppy bed in this hotel aggravating my hip flexor. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds and wheelchairs and then just a few years ago, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. The Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam you're used to. The Purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling very comfortable. Plus it's breathable. So it helps you to sleep. Cool. You can try it now. 100 night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund backed by a 10 year warranty though. If you decide to stick with it, that's how confident they are in this product. They will back it with a 10 year warranty, free shipping on returns. If you want to give it back, you're going to love purple. And right now, our listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just go to purple.com, use my promo code Steve at checkout. That's purple.com, Steve. The only way to get this free pillow is to use my code Steve at checkout. Purple.com, promo code Steve. All right, on to today's podcast. It is a Monday. Typically, we do a weekend news and views, and we will do that here today. A couple of the items in Aaron's Montage, as I nearly kicked over my microphone there, live on the air. A couple of our items in Aaron's mo- Montage, we already got to in-depth over on CRTV today. But I saved a couple for the podcast. I thought it needed to have uh, a little bit more uh, depth to the conversation than the time allotment we have on CRTV provides. I want to start with and I hate doing this you know I'm not a joiner you guys know that I don't I don't like to jump on fads or trends Um, you know so I I didn't get into the whole let me build a social media following by reacting to uh, Lena Dunham and that's probably why the people that did that have like 300,000 more Twitter followers than me as they chose to go down that road and they were smarter Uh, but I just I'm, I'm not I don't like doing that You know, I didn't do it with David Hogg a couple times. If he gets out of line, I'll see something. But, you know, um, and then one of the times he said something I thought was actually profound. And a bunch of my people in my industry hated me for pointing that out when he said that he learned a lot about politics from watching House of Cards. And I'm like, well, that's the first (laughs) smart thing the kid said yet. That's exactly right on the cash money. But we did that podcast. We pointed out how much House of Cards has paralleled what has gone on in real politics. Right. Correct. The new one is um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And now this is is becoming, I'm not really sure when we're reacting to her or when it's, I need another 5,000 Twitter followers stat. Yes. So let me light her up. You know what I'm saying? Who's talking more about, and it is Alexandria. I want to make sure I get her Alexandria, first. yeah. yeah thank, Alexandria, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, I'm not sure who's talking more about Alexandria Cortez, uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Us or them? The answer is yes. There's no question we're not blowing her out of proportion. I mean, she has not yet won a general election. They have her doing national tours for candidates, guys. This is what would have happened, if you want to know what you're watching with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this is what was lined up for Wendy Davis, Texas's abortion Barbie, in the 2014 midterms. And she was on the cover of the New York Times, and she was everywhere, and then they put up some pro-life legislation in the Texas legislature. Uh, the same people that were pimping Wendy Davis to America went down to the Texas State Legislature, began throwing tampons, feces, and chanting Hail Satan, and Wendy Davis's campaign was over essentially in 48 hours, and she is an afterthought. Like I said her name, you're like Googling her, like, why do I know that name? When in, At this time in 2014, she was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's all we talked about was responding to her Because we could see the left was elevating her to be their next superstar. And then she got crushed by abortion, ironically. The same thing that made her a hero to the left, standing up there in her little pink tennis shoes or whatever it was, uh, in the legislature, uh, pimping the killing of children, is exactly what imploded her candidacy. And she got destroyed by Greg Abbott on Election Day. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is just the next Wendy Davis. She's being groomed for... For higher office and exposure on the left, and I mean, she did a gubernatorial stop in Michigan. She's done some. She's shown up all over the country for leftist candidates. So this is this is not exactly Lena Dunham, some uh, C-list star on a show I I didn't know existed because I don't have HBO, but I guess this is actually where we got our Kylo Ren from this show. Is that right? Correct. Okay, I found that out like last week. I, I don't know. I'm at that age now where yeah. I'm actually enjoying shielding myself myself from culture. I turned 45 on Friday. And in the last few years, I've like, you know, I actually enjoy shielding myself from the latest pop culture fads and then not knowing them when my kids ask me about them so then I can mock them for just how trite, trivial, and and vapid they are. Now I can see why our parents did this to us. It is There is a certain level of enjoyment that goes with this, indeed. Um, In her case, though, she doesn't represent— it's not as simple as clickbaitiness. She represents an ideology. And in the clip you're about to hear— You're going to hear that ideology, minus the jackbooted aspect of it that Aaron and I were just discussing, but this is about the most honest assessment of it you're going to hear, and it comes under the grueling questioning of Trevor Noah.
1: But then the pragmatic side of it comes in, as you said. Mm-hmm. How do you pay for these? You know, you always see people coming in with economic arguments. Mm-hmm. And they say, look, these numbers don't really add up. You know, in order to get health care for everybody, this is what it would cost. Mm-hmm. That's going to be troubling. Even if you reverse the Republican tax deal, that's only going to make up 5% of what mm-hmm. we need to pay for Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how do you pay for education for all? How do you pay yeah. for all of these, these ideas? So
2: uh, this, is an, this is an excellent, excellent question. And in fact, there's a lot of back of the envelope stuff based on our values. So, for example, I sat down um, with a Nobel Prize economist last week. I can't believe I can say that. It's really weird. but, um, But one of the things that we saw is if people... Pay their fair share. If corporations and the ultra wealthy, for example, as Warren Buffett likes to say, if he paid as much as his secretary paid, 15 percent. If he paid a 15 percent tax rate. If uh, corporations paid, uh, if, we, if we reversed the, the tax bill, but when raised our, our corporate tax rate to 28 percent, which is not even as high as it was before. Right. Um, if we. If we do those two things and also close some of those loopholes, that's two trillion dollars right there. That's two trillion dollars in ten years, and it's wide, one of the wide estimates is that it's going to take three to four trillion dollars to transition us to a hundred percent renewable energy economy. So we got two trillion dollars from folks paying their fair share, which they were not paying before the Trump tax bill. Right. They weren't no like they weren't paying that before the Trump tax bill. If we get people to fa- to pay their fair share, that's two trillion in ten years. Now, if we implement a carbon tax. On top of that, so that we can transition and, and financially incentivize people away from fossil fuels. If we implement a carbon tax, that's an additional amount of, um, of, of a large amount of revenue that we can have. And then the last key, which is extremely, extremely important, is reprioritization. Just last year, we gave the military a $700 billion uh, tax, uh, budget increase, which they didn't even ask for. They're like, we don't want another fighter. Jet. Like, they're like, don't give us another nuclear bomb. You know? right.
3: So what you just heard there was the honest ruminations of a socialist. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics of her numbers. Like, I'm I'm not going to point out how much the top marginal tax rates are, that they're a lot more than 15%. I'm not going to point out how much at the top, uh, you know one percent of earners pay like over ninety percent of the total income tax. and I'm not going to point out any of those things. We have one of the highest corporate income tax rates on the planet.'m I'm gonna I'm gonna set all the specifics that refute her argument aside because um, it won't work. It won't work. If you understood these facts, or you were emotionally, morally, spiritually, intellectually capable and or prepared to absorb them, you wouldn't believe what she does. You would not. If you had read, you know, any set of Encyclopedia Britannica's uh, printed before 1995, you wouldn't believe the stuff she says. And, the, and just today, you have the Congressional Budget Office essentially pimp-slapping Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan as just beyond not affordable. The same people who think—the same CBO who has tried 27 times to convince us that Obamacare is affordable, despite every October when the, when the renewals come due and we learn that it's not going on for four years now— the same CBO that's tried selling us in the past Obamacare is affordable is telling us up front Bernie Sanders Medicare for all plan, which Miss Ocasio-Cortez supports, simply just doesn't work in the real world. And see, that's that's the key. That's the key. She even threw in fraud and abuse. <laughs> We even laugh at Republicans when they use that line, the fraud and abuse line. See, there's an old football coach here from my neck of the woods named Hayden Fry. He had a saying, "Got a scratch, where it itches." If I if I understood basic facts, if if I was capable of absorbing them in my current moral, intellectual, natural, spiritual state, I wouldn't I wouldn't believe in socialism. Even somebody as far gone down the progressive whirlwind as Trevor Noah is asking her, uh, "How do we pay for all this stuff?" Because you know, I'm 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 making seven fi- multiple seven figures here at the Daily Show, man, and I kind of am in that one percent. So, how, are you, planning, how are you planning on paying for this? So to scratch where it itches here, gentlemen, we've got to go to the very first thing she said. Can we re-ra- re-rack that, Aaron? And I'm going to tell you when yep. I want you to stop it, okay? Let's play it again.
1: But then the pragmatic side of it comes in, as you said. Mm-hmm. How do you pay for these? You know, you always see people coming in with economic arguments. Mm-hmm. And they say, look, these numbers don't really add up. You know, in order to get health care for everybody, this is what it would cost. Mm-hmm. That's going to be troubling. Even if you reverse the Republican tax deal, that's only going to make up 5% of what mm-hmm. we need to pay for Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how do you pay for education for all? How do you pay yeah. for all of these, these ideas? So
2: uh, this, is an, this is an excellent, excellent question. And in fact, there's a lot of back of the envelope stuff based on our values. So for example, I sat down um, with a Nobel Prize economist last week. I can't believe I can say that. It's really weird. But but one of the things that we saw is if people pay their fair share. If
3: That's it. Two phrases you got to zero in on here. And if your children are coming home from university and they are becoming immersed in this, I can promise you, the odds you're going to win them over on using objective data and facts, so you have to understand, they're going through a religious conversion. You're nodding your head. Yes, Todd, you agree?
0: Yeah, and I am so glad we didn't talk about this at all before the show. My biggest pet peeve so far regarding her, and heck, I laughed a little too at this thing when you see it visually. She looks like Ed Grimley. Steve, you yeah, get that reference? She's preposterous. But... but the one reaction from a lot of people on the white is some version, right is some version of she's in way over her head. That's not the issue at all yep. it is there's she's not a dumb person and there's been really really smart people throughout all of history that fall for this this is why steve's point is so important don't cheapen this by saying oh she's just some you know dumb uh, bubblegum chewing cheerleader that's you you will get it wrong and you will deserve to lose if you do not respect the point steve is making right now
3: the reality is you have to be this to on some level to Buy into socialism, in general. She says, "Well, I sat down with this leading economist, but and there's a lot of back of the envelope stuff. Let me tell you what that means. You know, she's speaking a language. Now, this is separate from two weeks ago when she clearly wasn't over her head and didn't know basic facts, but she doesn't know basic geopolitical facts." And in that arena, where it comes to foreign policy, that is a relevant exercise. In this arena, let me tell you why it's not. Because to become a socialist, you have to reject basic facts in the first place. Exactly. The three key phrases you heard here were values, fair share, and when she said, I sat down with an economist, and there's a lot of back of the envelope stuff here. Let me tell you what that means. The economist was trying to, was showing me this stuff doesn't add up. I don't care. I don't care if it doesn't add up because it's about our values. And if everybody pays their fair share and agrees with me on what our values should be, the money will be there. If you reimagine human worth in existence to each according to his abilities, for each according to his needs, the money will be there.
0: Pass the plate, baby. Yes. Pass the plate.
3: If you give up notions of American exceptionalism, individual autonomy, and God-given rights, and imagine all the people (laughs) living in peace and no religion too.
0: It's their own loaves and fishes story. Yes. That's what she's telling you.
3: This was not what you saw with Margaret Hoover a week and a half ago. That was an example of a neophyte politician just checking boxes of what of talking points either she's been fed or her staff told her she needed to say.
4: But this is different. She wants to fundamentally transform America.
3: Yes. In fact, when you watch the two clips, it's different. This was her body language and stuff is not what you see with Margaret Hoover, where she's clearly. Where where she leans back, that's a universal body language sign for I'm on my heels here and I gotta buy myself some time. When she asks her, How are you gonna pay for this? She leans into him. Almost as if to say, I'm glad you asked me the question I wanted. That's why she threw in the anecdote about the military. We're giving them more money than what they even want. Using the military and that anecdote as a means to say, national sovereignty should not be a priority. National security should not be a priority of the American people. Instead, living in a global community, in a global economy, with shared resources will reduce threats from foreign enemies that are not motivated by an an objective evil or a false religion or an aberrant worldview, because for us to declare that would be to declare that there are true religions, superior worldviews, and cultures that are better than others. We have to reject all of that in order to absorb a global community. Well, let me rephrase that. We will reject the notion that all cultures are equal, or all cultures, or some cultures are better than others, except for those of you that actually believe your culture is better and have the proof of it we will absolutely discriminate against your culture. But every other culture is equal. <laughs> that's why Western culture, as you point out, that's why the' are iconoclasts or Western civilization is concerned. Because Western civilization has proven throughout the course of history, it is superior. It blows up their argument. The history of Western civilization destroys their argument. And so, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western civ has got to go. Because you're in the way of me realizing my religious fervor. This is my dogma. Her body language is the same as if, if I went on that show and Trevor Noah said to me, so you really believe a guy was dead and walked out of a tomb three days later? I'd have le- I'm, boy, I'm glad you asked me that question. And you know what I would have said? Because he would have pointed out. All the science doesn't add up that that can happen. You know what I would have said? You're right. The science doesn't add up. I believe in a God that is sovereign over your science and created the heaven and the earth and determines who will live and who will die and how long they will each live until that point in between. That's the difference between me and you. I believe in the supernatural. You don't. You ready for this? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez believes in the supernatural too. It's just a different supernatural than you and I believe in. The world must work this way. And I understand why she believes this. Because the only worldview, the only one, pester me, bring me your emails, bring me your best arguments. I've held all your positions over my 45 years on this planet. And I frankly probably know your positions better than you do. So bring them to me. Flood the inbox at, steve at stevedace.com. Show me another worldview that can adequately explain why the world is the way it is. Why we as a species, as human beings, are the way we are and what the solution to it is. Let me, let me repeat that. Why the world is the way that it is. Why we as a species are the way that we are and what the solution to that condition is. Show me another worldview outside of the worldview of the Bible that answers those questions. There isn't one. In many respects, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is being more intellectually honest than numerous conservatives are. Because there's a lot of people calling themselves conservatives today that don't want anything to do with the existential questions answered by the scriptures, they just like cheaper stuff and lower taxes. But she at least understands. She may not understand what in the Sam Hill, the situation is between Palestine and Israel. You know what, though? Neither does 90 flipping percent of the people that have worked at the last four damn state departments. So she's in pretty good company there. She could have served for Jim Baker or John Kerry, for that matter. Because they both pretty much sound the same. The two-state solution came from Bush. Not from Obama. But on this front, she's cash money, homie. She has rightfully looked at the world and said, something is wrong with it. It needs to be fixed. And see, understand to the likes of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, if indeed that fix cannot come from within us, by us progressing to be better than we currently are, then it must mean that there either is no fix, which is hopeless nihilism, or the fix comes from outside of us, which requires a divine providential accountability and i'll be damned if that's the answer so this is a religious quest this is a vision quest the fix must for what's wrong with us must be able to come from within us and it doesn't matter how many failed government programs it doesn't matter how many facts it doesn't matter how many historical failures you can cite The answers you're getting about socialism and communists now from this coming, from Aaron's generation, are the answers our generation and our parents' generation, the Gen Xers and the baby boomers on the left, gave when it came to the welfare state. Well, the food stamp program will work if we link it to the, if we put it with the ag program and we change a few things. Healthcare for all will work if we say abracadabra bibbidi boppity boo and click our heels three times and a new generation of, of MIT grads run it with higher Menser scores than the previous ones. There's a reason we've been having these arguments since the 60s. Because this is a religious argument. Who are we? Where do we come from? Are we basically good? If the answer is no, why not? What are the remedies for those situations? See, she's answering those questions. All her answers are wrong. Like I listing that, I felt like an, an an older Luke Skywalker to Kylo Ren after he spouts off a confident rant at the end of the Last Jedi, and you're like, amazing. Everything you just said is exactly wrong. <laughs> but, but credit to her she's at least trying to do the math not real math i mean the moral math what are the remedies for why we're like this how do we fix these injustices now because she rejects the notion that humans are born into sin to bondage to sin that we are a fallen species And therefore, when we make attempts internally within us to fix ourselves, we just make it worse. Beelzebub can't cast out Beelzebub. Disease doesn't cure disease. And it's only even if we're we're in an irreligious state or we are estranged from our Creator, but we act outside of ourselves selflessly as He commands us, when we bear one another's burdens, when we admit our frailties, that we can even put a band-aid on our wounds and we still can't cure them. And this is why every society that has adopted her ideals has turned to some form of totalitarianism. Because you're asking the sick to heal the sick. You're telling the blind... To lead the blind. Now, where have you seen this argument anywhere in conservative media in the last week since this clip emerged? Nowhere. And that's why I promise you this. You mark my words today. You remember I said this. July 30th, 2018. Paraphrase Nikita Khrushchev, she will bury all of you. She and her ilk, they will bury you all. She might as well have taken off her pumps and flashed them in the camera right there on the comedy channel. Because she's going to win. And it doesn't matter how bad her facts are. doesn't matter if the math doesn't add up. Because she's talking about values and priorities and cultural existential matters of importance, which your generation, Aaron, is craving, and that's why they're listening. We're talking about Mueller. Well, Steve, they're talking about Mueller, too. No, they're they're not talking about Mueller. They're talking about resistance. Even that's a cause. We're talking about FISA warrants. They're talking about coup d'etats. Even when we're on the right, they still give their base of people and message them a higher calling. We talk about omnibus bills. She talks about priorities. She's going to win if you don't recognize what's happening here. Lenin wasn't a, wasn't much to look at neither was Stalin that Bavarian son of a house painter certainly wasn't going to be on the freaking cover of GQ she's gonna win if you don't recognize what's happening here This is not an argument. Guys, can I just keep it really real for a second? Can I just really keep it real? Go. Let's keep it real. You're going to have a hard time telling Aaron's generation not to fall for this. When you already invented the biggest damn welfare state in the history of planet Earth. And your current Republican president and the Republican Congress is making Schumer, Pelosi, and Obama look like cheap at the rate they're spending. And they're threatening Twitter and they're threatening Harley Davidson and they're threatening the Ford Motor Company. Well, you know, it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. So when her ilk get in charge of government, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to spend more and they're going to threaten more. Because you've already set the precedent. This is why you're going to lose the argument to them. Because you've already lost it. You've already lost it. If you had won your own argument, there wouldn't be an Alexandria Or Casio cortez She wouldn't exist. Could a woman saying these things in 1985 get elected anywhere in America to any credible office? Hell no. But you already lost the argument. You already lost your argument. You gave it away. You signed up for the welfare state. Argument lost. So this argument is lost. You've already lost the good stewardship argument, and you cannot win it. You have already lost the math-doesn't-add-up argument. Guys, we are... (laughs) We just had a conversation with our very own policy analyst, Daniel Horowitz, last week about how the Trump tax cuts are being, the, their effectiveness in the economy is being mitigated by the growth of the debt under Trump and the Republicans. Okay. You've already lost all of these arguments. There is one argument, one though, you've yet to try. And it's actually your best one. That's the good news. It's your best argument. It's the moral and spiritual one. She talks about our values. What are our values? Where would those values come from? How would we know they're the right values? She talks about fairness. Define fairness. What is it? You think $15 an hour is fair? Well, of course. What do you think about $25 an hour? Wouldn't that be more fair? Wouldn't you think that'd be more fair? I think it'd be more fair, wouldn't you, Todd? $50 an hour? I mean, if we can just, if we can just based on what we project from our values, impose fairness, why not $500 an hour? See, she's never had to game theory out the moral and spiritual consequences of what she's articulating. Because she comes from academia in the public sector where moral spiritual consequences have long ago been ejected and if you think you're going to defeat her with the fox news argument well government is uh, inefficient and as fraud and abuse you're creamed man in fact do yourself a favor Stop, stop those arguments now. You'd be better off surrendering. Get your front row suckling spot on the government teat now before the music stops playing and they're out of chairs. Because all you're going to do with those arguments is get invited to fewer family events, have a lot fewer friends, and more people dropping you on Facebook as you annoy the hell out of them. That's not winning anybody. That's not a knife to a gunfight. That ain't even a spork at the OK Corral, as I used to say. That's like showing up with your zipper down and your wee-wee out and the other side's got a bazooka. I, I, that, that's just, it's, that, is, that is a nothing upon nothing argument. Because see, what she represents to Aaron's generation is, tell us how to fix the world. And what you're saying in between cashing your own Medicare and Social Security checks That you're charging their generation for some of, by the way. Well, you know, we can have a welfare state when it pays for my priorities, but not when it pays for yours. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You think there's a debate taking place. The fact this woman has become a national cost celeb indicates the debate is over. It wasn't too long ago she'd been laughed off a of national stage for asserting these things. Now they're taking her seriously. We've already lost. Because we've tried every argument other than the only really good one we have. The problem is, it's the most offensive one we have, and it's the one we're the least equipped and comfortable having. And that's when we get to our other story here really quick. When people then start looking at what Ocasio-Cortez is saying about values and priorities on the economy, and they start doing the transit of property about what this means across the board culturally. And they decide, well, you know, if a dollar really isn't a dollar, and values are something that aren't objective, but something we can subjectively create or project. If math really isn't a formula, but is really the culmination of our priorities, then maybe my kids' gender is. And maybe I shouldn't impose my my heteronormative attitudes upon my children. And so I raise them as babies, genderless. So they can, you know, when the time is right for them, live in their truth and self-actualize what they want. Now, like, a year ago, we'd have called this child abuse. But this is going to be Oprah's next webinar, like next month, I promise you. That's where this is going. And I can also promise you this. You can tweet at this family and families like this. All the snotty memes, and I think they're quite funny, frankly. You can All the snotty memes about chromosomes and science won't work nobody cares if they cared about any of that they wouldn't be doing this all people may be sinful but they're not dumb if they didn't already reject those norms and those objective standards they wouldn't be here they're not here because they don't know but because they just don't care But I'm sure, I'm sure another lesser of Tweebles election. I'm sure another, uh, well, Reagan was a womanizer, so Trump can be too. Or something. You you know what? What do I know? You got this, man. You got it. So I'm going to stop now. Because I just realized I've spent the last 30 to 40 minutes wasting my time. We so got this right now. That I, you know what? I'm sorry I wasted your time with this rant. Way out of bounds. We got this. You guys go ahead.
0: I'm a firm believer that we are always being given a gift uh, whenever the darkness steps out from under the rock and just declares, uh, with no equivocation whatsoever, what it believes so we have been given a gift Uh, steve's angst doesn't come the from the fact that we heard her do exactly that it comes for the fact that it's it's better than an even bet that there's not going to be much pushback other than snark there's not going to be the reality that when we've been given that gift just like all gifts that are ultimately given by God, the truth is a gift. We must do something with it. That we are an in species. Christ, Imago Dei. We created in His image and likeness. We we must act for 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 truth to be taken advantage of. That that's. The abundantly clear of what our uh, daily status we must remind ourselves as Christian we must act we just can't laugh at this we c- keep treating and again that was my pet peeve coming out of this and I'm so pleased that this is the direction the show went I had no idea where it was going to go but she isn't the joke we are yes. the joke preach we are the joke for her If they could, if they could, the left would nominate her for president and David Hogg as vice president. And that's on us. That we have not created such an obvious alternative of faith and reason, that that's an impossibility. But it's more than possible. It's probable, barring constitutional dictates of age that are the only thing standing in the way of that happening. We had the joke. We need to get in on that joke pretty damn quick while we have time to do something about not being a punchline any longer.
4: Steve said on the show the only thing that defeats a bad theology is a good theology. So I'm wondering along the lines of what Todd was saying, why, why when we know what we know about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a lot of my generation, why would we vote for somebody who says um, I'm a fiscal conservative and doesn't say anything about the, you know, the cultural issues, doesn't say anything about the, the broader cosmic societal issues? Why would we continue to vote for somebody who says, "Well, you know, that's just um, that's that's just a culture thing." What we need to focus on is cutting waste, fraud, and abuse. And yada, da, da, da. Why do we vote for people like that? Or how about this? Why do we continue to go to a church where our pastor doesn't doesn't want to speak out about the cultural issues because he, God forbid, she is afraid that they might offend somebody. If, if it's a she, then, you know, that church is already gone. Why are you listening to this podcast, by the way? Um, why, why would we continue to be in a church like that? Or why would we continue to accept that out of our leadership in our churches? Maybe why, why would we be afraid to, to speak out against this? Or why would we be afraid to not just say who we are? the left is already doing that as todd said the darkness is just coming out and saying hey it's it's me it's your old friend why why can't we do the converse or i'm sure, i'm sorry the inverse why can't we really just say with all confidence why why can't we just let the lion out of its cage why can't we do that it's because todd just hit the nail on the head we are the joke i said this on the show today The fact that this type of thing has already arisen means that we don't really have a leg to stand on. The argument has been won already because by even allowing this argument to take place, we've lost. Or at the very, very, very least, we have showed how weak we are as conservatives, as Christians. It's sobering. If you made it to this, po- if you made it to this point in the conversation, congratulations—you're an adult, <laughs> because this is an adult conversation.
3: We can let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at stevedayshow. If you have a moment here today on iTunes and Stitcher, please click subscribe on this podcast. If you have a few extra moments, leave us a positive review. If you like what we do, if you don't, don't lie. But if you do, we really would love a positive review. And both of those things help us to get the word out about our show. Many of you have done that already. We thank you very much for that. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John
0: 317. This is Steve Dace.